previously on Film Code. The streak continues as the guys once again sweep across the board as they crack Brandon's code word. I'm going with uh, 2007 uh, action horror movie uh, starring Will Smith, and that is I Am Legend. Uh, so, Nick, you got next. What movie are you going with? Run it back, Phoenix. Run it back. I Am Legend again, and Nathan, you had the lead. So what movie did you choose? Yeah, I Am Legend across the board. It's, it's fairly uh, easy when you look at that stand, standpoint. I'm glad Brandon gave us an easy one that wasn't uh, flying Air. over our heads. Yeah. Flying over our heads. Foreign country. <laughs> Can the streak continue this week? as Phoenix gives us his brand new code word. All right, so your code word this week was language, and uh, your clues were 2017 to 2020. Uh, your other clues were that your director had done less than seven feature films, and that your writer and director are the same person. Plus, the guys review the perennial Oscar favorite, Nomadland, and a discussion on the top five best sci-fi films of all time. All that and more on this week's episode of Film Code. You are now Film Code. Start program. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Film Code. Thank you so much for clicking on this episode. We got a great show lined up for you. We are finally talking about this movie after months and months and months <laughs> of it being an Oscar favorite. I'm so excited to join these guys to talk about this movie. And of course, you clicked on it. You know what we're talking about. That movie is Nomadland. But first, I want to introduce the guys. Nick, what's going on? Yeah, super excited to be on this episode. Uh, it feels like forever ago where we were like, "What? What is Nomadland? What? What is this movie? What? What's Francis McDormand have to do with this? Who's Chloe Zhao?" Like, we had all these questions, and now they're finally getting answered. And now we finally have all seen the movie, and we're all super excited to talk about it. Yes, and also joining us, of course, is Phoenix Cloud and Phoenix. How you doing? I am superb, gentlemen. I am so happy to be here with you guys on this bright, sunny, and snowy <laughs> morning. Um, and to talk about this movie, Nomadland, I have so many thoughts. I cannot wait to hear what you guys think. So let's let's get into it, man. I'm ready. Yeah, we're, we're very fortunate. You know, we're in this three-week window of heavy Oscar hitters. We did Judas last week. We're doing Nomadland this week. And we're doing The Father next week. Just three absolute heavy hitters when it comes to the Oscars. This one more so than ever. You are one of those lucky people that can travel anywhere. Yes, ma'am. And they sometimes call you nomads. My mom says that you're homeless. Is that true? No, I'm not homeless. I'm just houseless. Not the same thing, right? No. 
My husband worked at the USG mine in Empire. I was a substitute teacher. It is a tough time right now. You may want to consider early retirement. I need work. I like work. Welcome to Badland Spa. What the nomads are doing is not that different than what the pioneers did. I think Fern's part of an American tradition. Oh, he's gonna come right through the glass. My dad used to say, what's remembered lives. I maybe spent too much of my life just remembering. One of the things I love most about this life is that there's no final goodbye. I've met hundreds of people out here, and I don't ever say a final goodbye. Let's just say, I'll, I'll see you down the road. And I do. I see them again. And I can be certain in my heart, I'll see you again. You know, it seems like this is the favorite for the Oscars. It seems that way. And last week, that episode is available now. However you're listening to this, you can find it. We did our our picks based on what the Golden Globes picked. And I sat here, and for every category, I said, I can't pick Nomadland for any of these categories because I haven't seen it. <laughs> Nick hasn't seen it. I can't confidently say it's a winner of a category if I haven't seen the movie. Well, now we all have. We've all seen it. Phoenix, you saw it a few weeks before us. Mm -hmm. Um, But nonetheless, here we are talking about it. And I guess we will answer the question of, is it the Oscar favorite in your eyes? But first, let's talk non-spoiler reviews. This is directed by Chloe Zhao, who will eventually direct Eternals for the MCU. That is her next project. A very, very hot name for up-and-coming directors. And I'm just so happy to see this movie with her and see what all the hype was about. So, Phoenix, you saw this a few weeks ago. Why don't you kick off with your thoughts? Excellent. Okay, so uh, I recently joined uh, Film Independent, which uh, allows us to get screeners and vote for the Independent Spirit Awards, which I'm super excited for. Uh, So they sent me a screener of uh, Nomadland a few weeks ago. Uh, like you, like you said, Nick, uh, Nathan, yeah, it was Nathan. <laughs> like you said, um, this has been a perennial Oscar favorite. Like I think ever since Sundance or, or Toronto, I can't remember which one it debuted at, but uh, it is one. Yeah, it is one about like thirty-five critics groups awards, like best picture, the whole nine. Uh, Chloe Zhao's been picking up director all all up and down the place. It's ridiculous. Um, so when I saw this, I didn't really have expectations. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm, I'm pretty good at my, uh, managing my expectations. Um, but I was super excited to see this because I was like, I just want to know what Chloe Zhao does. That was, that was the thing that I really cared the most for was how good is her direction and, you know what I'm saying, and and if if this movie is as good as as advertised, it is. I I think Nomadland is fantastic. I think it is an absolutely fantastic movie. 
uh, beautiful direction, insanely good uh, cinematography, like literally the best cinematography of the year. I don't, I don't, I don't care about anybody else. <laughs> like the cinematography's done. This, this is no Madlands. Um, the only things that I'm not a hundred percent sure on is Frances McDormand necessarily uh, in Best Actress. Uh, I think she does a solid job here, but you know what I'm saying? I think there are five performances better than that. Okay, uh, I was going to say, you had to, you had to clarify that statement to say yeah. you weren't sure of Frances McDormand winning Best Actress, not yes. you weren't sure of her performance. There we go. Yes. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> big, big difference there. Big difference. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, ultimately, I enjoyed this film. I think it is a very uh, mellow uh you know what I'm saying? It's sincere and warm and genuine film. That's what I think it is. A very genuine film. Um, ultimately, though, I wouldn't put this as the best picture. I'll, I'll explain why later, but that's my overall thoughts is that it's a fantastic film, very enjoyable, but not the best film of the year. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm go off some of the same <clears throat> beats that that Phoenix went off of. Not 100% though. Starting off, my enjoyment it just wasn't wasn't there. Um, I think cinematography wise, it was brilliant. I think it'll be a front runner along with Mank. Um, I think the direction was was fantastic as well. I could see Chloe Zhao picking up this award at the Oscars. Uh, Frances McDormand was good. Um, I think she is also a front runner, not 100% sure if I can, can lock that one in, but I think she's, she's pretty close to a front runner. Um, but I think, and tell me if you've heard this from a 2020 movie Phoenix, when we get on here and talk about it, everything direction, cinematography, everything filmmaking wise, this was there, but just on an enjoyment level, it was just like I'd probably give this like a three stars if I was just going based off of enjoyment level. I just wow. it was hard for me to get into to the film at certain points. Mm. The cinematography, right? I'll, I'll start there. It was great. It really was. It was great. Um, I really appreciated Nick and I got to see this on the big screen in theaters. So seeing that was tremendous. I am not the expert when it comes to who should win cinematography. Certainly I can appreciate it. I know good cinematography when we see it, but if it's not 1917 or Birdman, I, uh, I am not the person to determine who wins that. Certainly. I think this was great. It's my winner, but I couldn't even tell you who else will get nominated for that. Maybe pieces of a woman. I, I don't even know who else is going to get nominated. So that's, that's way more Phoenix's alley than mine, but <laughs> it was gorgeous. All of the, I can't even call them sets because they're not pre-built sets, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Wherever they filmed was gorgeous. Absolutely worked. Um, and it makes me want to go out west and travel. Yeah, this <laughs> absolutely. But I think what's so unique and artistic about Nomadland is Francis's character, Fern. She is so comfortable and li in living this life that a wide, wide, wide majority of people, this is the last thing they want to do with their life. <laughs> Whereas she has the options to live a normal life, to live in a house, to live with friends. And this isn't spoilers, um, in case you're wondering, it's not. 
but she decides to be a nomad and, and and live this life that chances are if you're listening to this you are not a nomad mm-hmm. and you don't want to be um so i just think there was such beauty in that kind of opposite approach and opposite thought process on life and i thought there was a real beauty in that and i agree with that the, the and, and i think that beauty comes through uh like i said i think chloe Zhao knocked this out of the park in terms of her direction i, I mean because you you just brought up something that I think is fan, is absolutely true. You have this person who could literally, you know what I'm saying, has family, has friends. Most of the people who are considered nomads are, you know, completely disconnected from the rest of the world. They don't have family, they don't have friends, they don't have any jobs, they're not really connected to the outside world. So, you know, that's why this life makes sense to them. Whereas in, uh, you know, Francis's case, or I can't remember what her character's name was. Fern. Fern, yes, thank you. In Fern's case, um, you know, she just needed to get away. But she's adapted to this. And this is sort of the lifestyle that she wants. So it was an interesting contrast, especially because you're seeing uh, these people who live their life on the road and you're seeing her go back and forth between these worlds. Um, Ultimately, I mean, I, I, I kind of agree with Nick on this, where it's like, there's a beauty to it, but there's not exactly a, there's not a lot of value in it. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, because it's just, it's sort of just, you know, looking at the world through a different person's eyes. And that's great, but um, I feel like it, it needed a little bit more. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. Go, go ahead. I was gonna say I'm gonna break this the seal unless Nathan has anything else to say. But but we've talked about this these types of movies a few times on these shows. Min- Minari was very much like this. Spoilers, by the way. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, uh, Minari was very much like this. Uh, there was another movie that we talked about that I just is escaping me right now. But we talked about these movies that just it doesn't go anywhere. You know what I mean? Like it is just watching somebody's life. And I've stated in that Minari episode, if you go back and listen to it, I am not a fan of these movies that just are like a sea into the looking glass. Like you just look through a looking glass and you're looking at somebody else's life. Like I'm not like stuck up. Like I'm not going to watch these movies. They're just not, not my type of movies. While I think overall this, this film is good and will get a good score from me. It's just, I am not a big fan of this. Let me just show somebody's life in this way and just present it in a way that nothing happens. Well, I'm going to go a little bit different, but highlight some of the same things. And, and, this by no means is me trying to drag this movie because you will see us all give this movie solid scores and talk about the good things. But unfortunately we do have to talk about some negatives and I just want to talk about, yes, 2020 has been a disappointing year for movies, 100%. And this is a very good movie. Spoiler alert. This is going to make my top five. Okay. So please don't think this is like me completely shafting it. I just want to say, 
these big name movies in 2020, these high profile movies, how many times have we sat here on this show reviewing a high profile 2020 movie and said, the acting's great. The production's great. The direction is, is solid. All the technical elements work. But from a story perspective, it's just not that great. It's not entertaining. They make mistakes. And I was kind of waiting for it to be over. How many times have we sat here and said it? Minari, Mank, um, Nomadland for sure. We sat here and we ripped into Judas last week for its story troubles. Um, how, how many more? I mean, the, we were talking, Nick and I were talking about this, and obviously we have not seen The Father, but I said t- to him, for Best Picture, the only movies that I anticipate getting nominated for Best Picture, if Soul doesn't get nominated, that I actually legitimately enjoyed their story was Trial of Chicago 7 and Promising a Woman, and everything else you can throw away story-wise. Mm. And that's really sad because mm-hmm. – my weakest contender last year, the film that got nominated for Best Picture that I thought was the weakest was Jojo Rabbit. Mm-hmm. And that that would probably win this year. And that's just so, so sad. It, it's just so frustrating that 2020 not only is a bad year for movies, but it's also these, look at the cinematography. Look at the acting. Oh, you know, it's not the most compelling thing in the world. It's not the most engaging thing in the world, but that's just what the year is. And it's just frustrating. We had to say that about almost every movie. It's just frustrating. Yeah. I was going to say, just, just thinking about um, things that would get nominated for best picture. Soul is kind of on the fence, but soul, I would be happy about promising young woman. I would be happy about trial of Chicago seven. I'd be happy about, but if you start talking about my Rainey's black bottom, I'd be like, yeah, okay. I mean, there were better choices, but okay. Same same goes for for this as well. Like, I'd be like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. I I mean, there were definitely some some better choices, but I guess like, there's just those three movies for me, and one of them probably isn't even gonna get nominated. And then there's the rest of the categories where I'm like, eh. I mean, okay. And then there's Minari where I'm like, nah. Why did that happen? I mean, I just without without getting too far down the rabbit hole, right? And I don't want to play comparison too much, but let's just look a year earlier because 2020, right? We all know what happened in 2020. That definitely impacted the movie industry. But let's we have to look at what we're dealt. Let's look at the the movies from 2019. No matter how you feel about them, you listening, Phoenix, Nick, no matter who feels what about what. Ford v. Ferrari, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Marriage Story, like all of these movies, Joker, Parasite, all of these movies at least were engaging. They at least had a story that kept your eyes on the screen that maybe you weren't the biggest fan of. Phoenix, you've been very vocal about that. I know other people have been very vocal about certain movies they didn't like, and that's fine. That's your opinion. But nonetheless, these movies were engaging. They weren't like, what am I even watching? Sure, I can appreciate the technical elements. I can appreciate the cinematography. I can appreciate the acting. But what is going on? Like, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't feel engaged with this story. It's just so, so frustrating. That's the last thing I'll say about it because – we spent enough time on it is it's just frustrating that 
this is yet again another 2020 movie that we're sitting here and saying the technical elements are through the roof, but the story itself, it, 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 sure, it's, it's nice, but you want to sit down and watch this again today when you have a bunch of friends over? Is this what you're putting on? No. And I'm sorry, not every movie's going to be like that. I know. Trust me. There's beauty in movies like this. It's just frustrating that the whole Academy nominations are going to be this. Yeah, and, and my last thing, touch just touching on this, is that in 2019, I had, let's, let's count them. Let's count them, right? We had one, two, three, three five stars in t- 2019 alone. Little Women, 1917, Joker. This year, unless the father just blows at blows it out of the, the water, and I'm just extremely shocked about the father, I will have zero. Let me repeat that: zero five stars for 2020, which is just which is crazy. So that's the last thing I'm going to say about it. Unless Phoenix has anything to say on it, there are a couple things that I would like to to touch on. Firstly, uh, well, yeah. I- I want to bring up a few things. Uh, first yeah, off, 20, 2019 over every every year ever. Um, like, you know what I'm saying? 2019 was a fantastic year. It was ridiculous. You you talked about three five stars. I had three five stars as well. Um, portrait, uh, Marriage Story, and uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood were all five-star movies for me. Oh, sorry, Parasite was also a five-star, so four. Um, so for this year, I only have one, which is Soul. Uh, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's, to me, it should be uh, the best picture winner. But also, I, I want to touch, yeah, I want to touch on a few things that you guys said about Nomadland in particular. Um, it was interesting to me because when I saw it, I saw it a few weeks ago. And the one thing that I kept thinking is like, critics are over the moon for this movie. And I get it. I actually totally get why critics and, and, and cinephiles are a huge are definitely big on this movie but the one thing i was th- i was curious about was how would general audiences feel about this movie and i was just like to me i'm like i can see critics falling in love with it but to me it just felt like it didn't have that thing that that general audiences f- would fall in love for like i could see i could see you know saying nomadland going all the way winning best picture right and I can see a bunch of people who like loved The Invisible Man and they're like, The Invisible Man is a better movie than this. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're a general audience member. Now me personally, this, this is, you know, I'm a film critic. So this is definitely gonna be above Invisible Man, but you know what I'm saying? Like I could just see that, that it has that appeal where it's like, it's good. You can definitely see the good. That's the thing that I think is really interesting about this film is the good is right there in your face. You can see it. You can see the, the cinematography. You can see the acting. You can, uh, you can see the direction. It's all there. It's beautiful. It's clear as day. But the story is the one part, the one element of this film that is not that it isn't present. It's just, it's just not, it's not an, it's, there's not a strong narrative focus it's pretty much scattered and like you're seeing you know what i'm saying like i said we've we've done these where it's like we're just seeing the life of a person and i like those kinds of movies you know what i'm saying sometimes they're really good um but 
yeah, like I just can't imagine that being the, the thing that general audiences tend to cling to. So I'm super interested to see what the general audience response is. And, and I don't want my little spiel a few minutes ago to be misguided. Like I said, this is a great movie. This is going to be in my top five. Mm -hmm. It's just frustrating that all the nominated movies this year, at least what we think will be nominated, have stories that aren't super engaging, super compelling, super dramatic. They're just kind of there. And that's what's frustrating. And and I want to to make a point about No Man Land and, and not just drag 2020 through the mud anymore. No Man yeah, Land. Sorry, to Malcolm and Marie. Sorry, I also want to say 2020 hasn't been that bad. There's, yes, it there's, has. There's there's, there's yes. some solid stuff in 2020. Uh, of course there are, but it's been that bad. So, <laughs> um, Nomad Land. I just think the story could have benefited from a little more drama. It it could have. I'm not expecting this to be the dramatic weight of Seven or of some of these other just great drama pieces, but they could have added a little more flair, a little more flavor to some weight or something that, to make us feel something. I don't even know when the credits roll what I was supposed to take away from it. Like, yeah, it was gorgeous looking, but what is it saying? What does it want me to to benefit? What does it want me to take away? And look, like I make this comparison all the time on this show. I'm sure this guy sitting next to me is sick of hearing me say it. But you take a movie that's extremely similar to what Nomadland's going for, a look through the life of a person. Let's cut out a certain section of time and show you what's going on in this world. The Florida Project does that perfectly. It does. That's a movie that a lot of people sit here, and I've read plenty of reviews that they say, nothing happens in this movie. Nothing happens. Um, okay. Mm. Well, that's not true. But also, there's so much about that movie that keeps you engaged, that makes you appreciate looking at these people's lives. With Nomadland, I, I just can't say the same thing. Like, why did we view her at this point in time compared to a week later than what we saw or a week before or a few days before. Like <laughs> what exactly was it with this specific point in time? If it would have benefited from maybe a little more drama, a little more flair. Um, I, I think I would have appreciated this even more so than we already do. And, and I hate to say it, but the reason why we're a little negative on it is because ever since June, ever since May, We've heard Nomadland, Nomadland, Nomadland's the best picture, Nomadland's the best picture, Nomadland's the best picture. Francis is the best actress. Zhao is the best director. And yeah, like all of those are solid, but when you shove it down our throat that much, I'm going to expect it to be great. And it just wasn't. Well, my thing too and is that there are some good points in this story. My favorite part of this story is when she sees the um i forget his name i don't even know if he had a name maybe it's like derek or something um the guy who she gave him a smoke and um she like brings him a sandwich and like in that moment like when does he have a name i'm looking <laughs> um i i really enjoyed that moment like under the tree and when, when she gave him the sandwich 
and you know when when they were just kind of talking and how he talked about how he had a girlfriend back home who you know doesn't understand his lifestyle and how he wants to to write her but doesn't know what to write her and she was talking about the poem and then yeah that was dope she she starts to read the poem and you know it takes it out of the shot of them sitting there Mm -hmm. and then it's shots of him walking and shots of her driving in in the coast and in the redwood forest and all those i thought that was that was probably the best part of the movie for me honestly and and that's where I really got drawn in and I said, wow, the, these past like five minutes have been great. Like th- this is what I wish that this whole movie was is because that though that moment was great. Like her giving advice to this younger character who she could see herself in. I think that was probably the best moment of the movie. Yeah. And I do want to touch on that other than Francis, obviously, and David's dad, sorry. And I'm sorry. I don't know how to say that name. Straight um, Yes. Other than those two, everyone in this movie are non-actors. Yeah. They are real nomads, mm-hmm. maybe real, um, you know, you talk about Dave's family. Um, I'm not sure about them, but I'm not sure about maybe a couple of, of office workers Francis talks to in the beginning. But as far as you go on Letterboxd, you look at the cast, like other than the, the leading two, they're not actors so yeah. i think that's really cool well I didn't, um, see. one of the other scenes that i gotta point out that i think was fantastic um uh fern has a friend the name swanky i guess that's her name yeah and um she uh she's talking about you know she's leaving and she's uh she's about to head out and uh because she's i guess she's dying or something like that so she wants to you know travel the world see the world and see these birds or whatever. And her monologue in that scene is better than any supporting actress I've seen all year. Like, like honest to God. And I know she's not an actress, she's an actual person, but that one scene is better than every contender that I've seen up to that point, other than Dominique Fishback. Like, literally was the best I had seen um, because it was just real. It was poignant. It was beautifully shot. It was insanely how it was insane how good that scene was and just what she was saying, the dialogue, it was incredible. And like, you know that much of this stuff, at least from the other characters, isn't written. So like, it's just this raw, real moment and like, you know what I'm saying? It was fantastic. It was just a really strong scene that I really loved. And it was beautiful in this movie. Like, overall, I feel like this movie is very sentimental. And sentiment really kind of gets me. You know what I'm saying? That, that's something that I absolutely love. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just that. It's like, you know what I'm saying? I don't mean to, I don't mean to downplay that, but it's it's just that. It's a beautiful, beautiful film about these regular people and how they live their lives and that is touching enough yeah and and i feel like i've been very negative about this but i'm gonna give it a positive score so i'm gonna talk more about the positives that that i want to talk about and it's exactly what i talked about before we started talking spoilers was there is so much beauty in taking something that most people do not do 
I guarantee you almost every single person watching this film or will watch this film is not a nomad. And everyone has this sense of comfort in their home, in their apartment, in their however you are living. You know, home is home. It's exactly that. Most people, sure, you want to go out and you want to see the world. You want to see the United States. You want to go out and take a a few-month road trip. Of course, there's nothing nothing unnormal about that. But living in a van that is your home, a little van like, like the one in this movie, that is so untraditional and so opposite of what almost everyone wants to do with their life. Um, and, and it's... It's just there's such a beauty in that. And not only is it she wants to do it, of course, you can talk about like what happened with her husband passing away and her trying to get a job but wasn't able to, moving around to these part-time jobs. It's not completely in her control. It's not like she's a millionaire and chooses to live this lifestyle. But as we see at the end, she has the opportunity to stay with Dave and his family, who is very welcoming. That was something that stuck out to me was how extremely welcoming these people were to a stranger. Um, and that felt wholesome. But she had the opportunity to stay, and she didn't. So absolutely, she had a choice in this whole process. And um, it's it's unique to see a story like this. And, and I really did appreciate how that was handled because I feel like in the hands of a different director or a director with um, a different vision, it, it could have been handled very poorly. Yeah, and, and just touching back on on what Nathan said, it's it's cool how they did use a bunch of people who weren't actors. I remember Nathan and I literally in the theater talking about this because we were by ourselves. We weren't disturbing anybody. We literally were talking about the dialogue just feels so human. Like, it just yeah. feels so natural, and yeah. it just feels like normal conversation, and that's probably because most of it was. You know, I, I mean, like, there probably was a rough script, I would assume, but I mean, most of these people aren't actors. So when you get into these acting situations where you have to do something, they're, they're just themselves. They don't have to act. They don't have to put on a show or put on a, a different face. That's literally their lives and their lives are being shared through this screen with this story. And I think that in itself is, is really cool. I want to talk about Francis because I'd said earlier that I didn't feel like she, I, obviously she gave a fantastic performance, um, but I didn't feel like it was top five, but you just mentioned something that I think actually puts it up a little bit higher in my mind um, because so much of the dialogue is, is natural. You know what I'm saying? These are real people. She's, she has to do a little bit more than just, you know what I'm saying? It's not just acting. You have to, you have to interact with real people. You know what I'm saying? You have to, you have to feel exactly like they do in this environment. And it's not, you know what I'm saying? It's not like, you know, Hollywood actress dresses down to appeal to the, to the nomads. It's like, no, she's in this life. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, now that I think about that, no, yeah, that's, that's a level of performance that is, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's a lot of prep and, and, you know what I'm saying? She put a lot into that. So, I actually do think that that is worthy of a of nomination. So I changed my mind on that. <laughs> and um, for me, like you can you can roll your eyes all you want, but I will never not have a problem with 
your lead actor being in every single scene in your movie. I will never not have a problem with that. <laughs> it can be it can be my favorite movie of all time. I will always have a problem with your lead actor being in every single scene in your movie. I'm sorry, I will. Um, so that's not a huge nick on it. It's not a huge dent to it, but I had to say it. I'm sorry, I did. Like that, that then, will never not be a problem to me. Right. And in this one, I, I kind of see why, you know what I'm saying? Because it's not, and again, I think this goes back to the, the, the whole story is it's not, you know what I'm saying? It's not really a narrative feature, right? It's almost a documentary in a sense. And, um, and in that, and in that case, you know, you only have what two real actors in the movie. So, you know what I'm saying? You're not going to be following these, these, you know, non-actors who probably will or won't give you anything, you know what I'm saying? And probably don't want to be bothered or on camera at all. And uh, so you got, you got to stick with, you know, your actor who's pretty much living inside of this world. So have like Dave, have Dave have a conversation with his family before she gets there saying, Hey, my friend Fern might show up. She's yeah. a great woman. I care for her deeply. Would you be comfortable with letting her stay? Maybe once she gets there, you have another scene of him talking to his son or whomever's house that is and saying, what do you think of her? She's great. Isn't she? Yeah, I could, I'd really like her to stay around. She, she'd be a great person. And I mean, look, the movie's not supposed to tailor directly to me, <laughs> of course, but um, look, I mean, that, that will never not be a problem in my eyes. Okay. They could have made it work is what I'm trying to say. They could have made it work. You know, and you could think that, and then there's like, you know, at that time, you know, she could have been shooting Francis in another location, you know what I'm saying? There's no, there's no telling, you know what I'm saying, where the camera was at that moment and what the focus was. But again, I, I, I think it's a valid point, but again, I think in this one, it, it's not as prevalent simply because the story doesn't flow like a natural narrative. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I usually don't have a problem with these things. It's not something that I like look for in a movie. So it doesn't really bother me either way. Cause I think in some movies you have to have character studies. This is a character study, mm -hmm. lifestyle study movie. And like we just talked about, these are normal people. You can't just point a camera at normal people and expect them to put in great performances that when you're getting this Oscar buzz, you can't just be like, okay, you're going to be at the Oscars here. Right. Do something. You know what I mean? So, and, and what do you talk about? Her van was, was a character. It shone mm -hmm. through. It, it was, it was it by itself when she was driving. Um, I feel like that's a character in itself, obviously joking, but, um, but I, I not mean, really. I, I mean, but like, like, I mean, the, in, in this kind of sense, the van was was a kind of a character, but yeah. um, I feel like oh, overall, just the the story had good moments. I think it was really strong when she was at David's house. I think it was really strong when when she was talking to Derek under the tree, and I think it was strong in some other places. But but other than that, I think it was a very lacking story for for an overall movie. And unless anybody else has anything to say overall, I can go ahead and we can go ahead and give our scores. Well, I do, have so I do have something to say. Um, does this, now listen carefully to what I'm asking because this can be interpreted a couple different ways. Does this deserve the hype that it is getting as the best picture pair? I'm not asking, do you think it's going to win? I'm not asking, could it win? I'm asking, 
does it deserve the constant praise we've seen over the last eight, nine months? I would say no, <laughs> but that's just me. Um, I can, I, I can understand it. Um, like, yeah. Okay. So like, I can understand it. Right. I can totally understand the love of the look, the feel, the sound, just the, the impressive art and the technicality of it all doing this, this type of story, this type of way. I can totally see being over the moon impressed by that 100%. I think it's, I think it's just a teensy bit too much. That's all. Like it's, it's just a bit too much. Uh, like you can be over the moon impressed with the, the, the talent, the skill of Francis, the skill of Chloe, the skill of Joshua James Richards who did the cinematography perfectly fine. I, I just think, you know, between seeing, you know, uh, and Ma Rainey's and time and, and invisible man. And, and, you know what I'm saying? All of these movies, I just, I'm like, the level of praise that this film is getting, I think is, is just a bit too much, just a bit too much. I think, you know what I'm saying? There's room to include other films. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just don't see how this is, is sweeping, at least in the critics, critics uh, circles. I don't really understand how this is sweeping so much because th there, are, there are other films that I think are, are just as good, if not better. Well, I'm going to, uh, Phoenix is going to be angry with me on this comparison because this is a very, uh, this, okay, this uh, movie's praise is like Catherine's, uh, I forget her last name. Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn's praise from WandaVision. This movie is good. Catherine Hahn is good. But other, it doesn't go much further than that. And I know Phoenix is going to disagree with me. I'm sorry, Phoenix. Catherine Hahn is an actress. It's her job to act. That's what she, she does. Did. She does a good job. She does a good job with acting. This movie is supposed to be a movie. It does a good job at being a movie. But other than that, I can't, I can't, I can't get buy into the hype i guess we're uh in the middle of the venn diagram now of comparing two things yes i couldn't agree more i, I think i can add to that a little bit um katherine han does a good job she does a good job in wandavision she plays that character extremely well nomadland uh -huh. for what it is shooting for uh -huh. does extremely well uh-huh but Nomadland, like Katherine Hahn, uh -huh. is not the best actress in the world. Nomadland is not the best movie in the world. Uh -huh. Every I almost don't want to log on to Twitter, TikTok, Instagram after watching WandaVision because the praise for Katherine Hahn, you'd, you'd think she just won the last 10 Oscar for Best Actress. You, <laughs> you'd think this woman... Uh, cured COVID-19, cured <laughs> cancer, ended world hunger, ended racism. You think she, you would think that this woman is Superwoman. is Superman coming down to earth and saving everything. Like I, I you would think that this woman is the woman that created acting. Like you that, and it's just it's it's so undeserved. Like she is a good actress. She does a phenomenal job in WandaVision, but she is just 
doing her job. She, she is right now becoming the most overrated actress in Hollywood because people are just blowing it out blowing her she's like yeah she's on viola davis's level on francis mcdormand's level on scarlett johansson no okay let's stop and and no my land is is the same way right like this is a good movie this is a very solid movie it does some great things let's stop with the praise there are several 2020 movies that are better than this i i think christ could come down and would not get enough recognition as (laughs) katherine hahn had in wandavision Look, Phoenix, she's good in WandaVision, but she's not even the best thing about WandaVision. Listen, so people listen. are I, – I listened to the episode. You're like, I mean, good for Elizabeth Olsen, but Catherine Hahn. <laughs> oh, my God. Let's talk about Catherine Hahn real just, quick. But we're not just talking about you, Phoenix. We're talking about everyone. Yeah. Like, this is an everyone thing. Okay. All right. First we off. Weren't, we weren't on yesterday's WandaVision episode, so we couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't create – couldn't stir the pot a little bit with this, so – Go right. ahead, Phoenix. First off, I will tolerate no Catherine Han slander, okay? It's, it's None. not slander. It's just None. truth. It's no. true. Your truth is lies. <laughs> listen, listen. Nomadland is great. Catherine Han is great. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> Good. It, are- it, it should be left at that. That's the problem. <laughs> is no one leaves it at that. They... They're like, I would give my legs for Catherine Hahn. Like, okay, come on. That's the problem. Okay, we have gone on several tangents. Let's give our final scores. Nick, why don't you start? Yeah, I'm going I'm to go with four stars. Uh, we talked about how great it is uh, cinematography-wise, production-wise, all that fun jazz. But I said it, the first thing that I said, my enjoyment level was was around a three-star range, and, and that's exactly where it is, is a three-star range. So I think I got to meet somewhere in the middle and, and give it four stars. Um, it's a very low four stars, and it comes in at number five, right smack dab in between One Night in Miami and I'm Thinking of Ending Things. So maybe the father will, will be a little bit higher and, and knock it out of my top five, but... It is there for the moment. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit that same beat and go with four stars as well. You know, we we spent a lot of time talking about the frustrations we had with this movie, and that's entirely because that's entirely because everyone has hyped this up to no end, and and that is frustrating when everyone like Catherine Hahn, like when everyone is just shoving it down your you know what about how great it is, and it's not that all that it's it's frustrating but it does some really great things the cinematography alone should get it to that three and a half mark and the filmmaking is is really stellar um i'm gonna put it around the the banker one night in miami range on my 2020 list haven't quite figured that out yet but yeah um i i would be a little bit disappointed if this one best picture bx what about you um, I am also going to hit that four star mark. Um, I think it is it the, the cinematography alone, like you said, is, is, is worthy of praise. Uh, and I think I think Francis McDormand and, and Chloe Zhao's direction really kind of just boosted up a little bit more. But you're, you're 100 percent right. The story is, is a little weird. It's a little wonky. Um, it, it feels more like a documentary than a narrative feature. Um, but at the same time, you know, the talent, the skill, 
that it takes to do that, I think is impressive uh, enough on its own. Uh, this is definitely, in my opinion, one of the best films of the year, but, you know, not the best film. Uh, <laughs> so like, for me, it, it'll probably land in, it, it'll land in my top 10, I believe, but uh, not sure where, somewhere between, uh, I don't know, definitely before Bad Education, I guess. Somewhere around there, 2019. So exactly. So 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 somewhere around there. But uh, yeah, I think it's four stars, deserving of some of the praise, uh, but maybe a bit overpraised. And I can't wait to see what the overall general audience uh, take on it is. All right. So we swept with four stars. Right, Phoenix. You get four stars. Why am I forgetting this? We swept with four stars. Still a, a fantastic movie that is one of the best of 2020s just had some frustrations based on what the hype level for it was. I think this movie we can all agree was a bit overhyped, which led to some frustrations on our end. Nonetheless, still a great movie, great direction by Chloe Zhao and acting by Francis McDormand. All right, let's move on to what's good. Phoenix, I have been dying to know what documentary you will be recommending us this yeah, week. Yeah, so yeah. Let's hear it, man. Kick it off. Uh, so actually, <laughs> I am not recommending a documentary. Uh, for for the first time in a few weeks, um, More like a few months, right? I am actually going with a movie that I recently saw, and that was, I think, critically panned and for good reason but that I genuinely actually really enjoyed and really loved. And that is Eurovision, the story of fire saga. Yes, starring Rachel McAdams and Will Ferrell. I can't believe I'm recommending a real Will Ferrell movie because I normally do not like this comedy, but what is it? It is a movie musical. And you know me in movie musicals, we're like family. So uh, Eurovision, I thought it was actually pretty funny. Has some really funny moments. Rachel McAdams knocks it out of the park. She's hilarious in it. Um, And the music was great. It was really great. It was silly, but it was really great. It ends with a fantastic song uh, that is beautiful. It's literally been stuck in my head. So uh, highly recommend it. You will hate it. Make no mistake, you will hate it. It is a horrible movie, but it has great, great moments. And I will say this to you because I, I don't know if you'll ever watch it, but play Yaya Ding Dong. Play it. I only want to hear Yaya Ding Dong. <laughs> when you see the movie, you'll understand it. But that is probably the funniest thing that I've heard all day, all year. And I love it. I keep saying it. I said it at work like 20 times. No one understood me. But <laughs> Eurovision, the story of Fire Saga, that is my uh, what's good. Well, I will say. Nick and I have both seen that movie. Play Yaya Ding Dong! I will agree with you that the the songs are fun. The songs are actually pretty spectacular. Um, I won't agree with you on anything else. So, <laughs> Nick, what's been good for you, man? <laughs> well, uh, didn't watch a lot of movies this week. Um, 
So I got to go with recommending the gift. <laughs> but kind of kind of flipping uh, roles here. Um, Nathan and I started OJ Simpson Main America, the five part documentary. Um, you know that we just recently reviewed the People versus OJ Simpson, the dramatized series of the uh, OJ Simpson trial of the century case. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. It was a lot of fun, but our part two of OJ is going to be the the documentary itself. So we're watching that and it's been pretty enjoyable so far. Only two episodes in, so enjoying it. Nice. Yes, definitely have enjoyed that. Um, As for me, last night I was able to start Steve McQueen's Small Axe series. Um, For those of you that don't know, Small Axe is a a collection of five films directed by Steve McQueen who directed Best Picture Winner, 12 Years a Slave, also code word from a few weeks ago, Widows. Um, Yeah, so it's a five-part series by Steve McQueen. Each of them are about feature length. And and last night I started with Education, which is the shortest of them because I was tired and wanted to go to bed, but I wanted to watch one. Um, Education, it's not something I'm going to give a great score to. I'm going to give a good score to. I can't overly praise this. Don't don't make the mistake of, of me recommending this and saying you're going to absolutely love it. I had definitely had some issues with it, but overall what it's trying to say about not only racism, about school systems, about the treatment of that whole genre and and what's going on, that in and of itself should be a recommendation. I didn't necessarily love certain things that happened in it, but that's more of a problem of the film itself, not of what it was going for and its ambitions. And I'm excited to check out the other four. Um, this is, I think, the second worst reviewed of the of the five. So I'm excited to check out the other ones. But um, Small Axe, specifically the education one, is what I'm recommending. All right, sweet. Let's move on. All right, so a few weeks back, we started a new series here on Film Code of Top Fives, which is a very you know, generic name to start any series. But nonetheless, we did our top five biopics. Um, Just to recap, my top biopic was The Social Network. Nick's was Zodiac. Phoenix's was The Jackson 5 versus USA (laughs) something. The Jackson's the American Dream. Yes, that. Okay. Today we are doing sci-fi. Somewhere down the line, we'll do horror. We'll do comedy. We'll do... Women directors, black directors, we'll get we'll get fun with some of these. Um, but today it is sci-fi, so let's kick this off. Let's hear what your top five sci-fi's are. I know I did best. You know it's a big thing, best and favorites. I did best. Um, so, anybody got any honorable mentions? Who wants to start? Oh, I got plenty of honorable mentions. Uh, so here, let me pull up my list real quick. Uh, okay, so honorable mentions. Uh, I really wanted to fit this into my top five, I just can't. There's there's too much room, 
but uh, I'm going with uh, Cloud Atlas, starring uh, Tom Hanks and uh, Halle Berry. I love this movie. I really do. Uh, it did not receive, it didn't get received well when it came out, but I think it's a fantastic movie. I don't understand the, the hate for it. So uh, that's definitely one. I'm also going to throw in Men in Black uh, as a series, I think. Uh, just what they do in that. I think it was very original at the time. Obviously, uh, the sequels, uh, you know, have diluted it. But I think the original Men in Black was a very uh, cool thing to do, and uh, yeah, it has a lot of it has a lot of great elements, and that, that I can understand why they redid it several times. Uh, also, I am throwing in galaxy quest which is a, <laughs> a movie that i absolutely love is mostly comedy but is also a very uh interesting element of uh science fiction and television uh which you know it's just it's just really cool and it's super funny uh has our man alan rickman in it so you know saying it, it, you can't go wrong um <laughs> and there is one more I believe that I have and that is up here somewhere yes uh I am gonna throw in her as oh, much God. as uh, as much as I wanted to put her on my list I don't think it has enough elements of science fiction uh compared to the rest so uh yeah so those are my honorable mentions well I will go next um the way that I did this is just went through the science fiction uh, category in letterbox. So <laughs> if you don't agree that this is a science fiction or you think I left off a science fiction <laughs> film, if letterbox didn't say it was a science fiction, it wasn't on the list. So just prefacing that before um, I'll start with the MCU as a whole. It said that a lot of the MCU films were uh, science fiction for some reason. I'm going to take it and run with it. <laughs> honorable mention just the mcu as a whole i know it does have some sci-fi elements but i mean superheroes are kind of sciencey um <laughs> we got alien nathan and i watched this a little bit back um it was on the best 100 movies poster i thought it was an overall solid film the same with terminator um both kind of in that same realm of classics and lastly uh this one was was so close to being in my top five like nathan mentioned earlier best and favorites are different i kind of did a hybrid list um so blade runner 2049 just misses out on the top five at probably would be a number six um a great sci-fi film just i think the the runtime hurts hurts all right well i'll pick it up from there obviously since i haven't gone yet um so this is just a stacked category i'm not gonna lie like when you think of sci-fi, for some reason, my brain just thinks of space, and that's it. But there are a lot of sci-fi movies that really don't have a lot to do with space, so it hurts that some of these are honorable mentions and not in my top five. It really does, but nonetheless, they are here. My first honorable mention is Arrival. I know that's a movie Phoenix is not too keen on, but it is a great movie. Phoenix is wrong. Arrival is a great movie by Denis Villeneuve. Another Denny movie, Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, the runtime hurts, but it's absolutely a fantastic film. Um, <laughs> I actually had to cut this out of my top five to make room for another. It was in there. 
nonetheless, it's an honorable mention. And then the Matrix. I can't believe you guys have not mentioned that. Haven't seen um, it. The Matrix is is something that I've been thinking about quite a bit lately. Next time we watch it, it's going to upgrade. That's my. That's another honorable mention. Sorry, thank you. Okay, well, but it's, it's just fantastic. It's just what if it was absolutely in our top fantastic. five and we haven't mentioned it because we haven't gotten into our top five yet. Then I jumped the gun there. So, uh, Arrival, The Matrix, Blade Run twenty forty nine round out my honorable mentions of a, an absolutely stacked category. All right, Phoenix, you can go ahead and unmute yourself and uh, give us your top five. Give us your number five, excuse me. Yeah, just give you your whole top five. <laughs> so uh, coming in at number five, uh, yeah, really, really is a stacked category. There, there's no lie about that. Um, but you know, I go with my go with my heart. I'm a card carrying member of the army, and that means that in number five, yes, Alita battle angel cracks my top five it is one of my absolute favorite and i would argue one of the best science fiction movies out there yes alita battle angel cracks my top five i don't want to hear it you shut up phoenix (laughs) you know that you said it just to applause the the audience out there who who loves which is fine we love you audience love you alita army let's go (laughs) top five baby my number five is a movie that Nathan and I saw pretty recently, and that is Avatar. Um, I think just for what it was at the time, it gets my round of applause. Um, the CGI was was far and away better than probably anything that was out during that time. When Nathan and I were watching it, we were like, wow, that, that could have come out yesterday because of, of how good the CGI was. I know... If you saw our TikTok, Nathan was the one who did the voiceover for this movie, um, and he gave it three and a half stars. It's four stars for me. I really enjoyed the story. Um, I thought it had some really great elements about, you know, just they, they gave everybody great motivations and great reasons for doing everything. So many times in movies, people don't have good motivations, and you're like, why? Why is that part of the screenplay? <laughs> Right. This movie has great motivations for, for Jake wanting to be a um, whatever species they are because he felt no. more free. He had legs. Like, that's a good motivation. Um, so I think this is a category of movie that everybody loves to hate on, like, along with The Greatest Showman, and it is undeserved. So Avatar coming in at number five. What's incredible for my list is all of these films are five stars. They might not be five stars right now in my letterbox, but I've made the conscious decision that <laughs> next time I watch a movie that's listed here, it will be five stars. So there's some four and a half, there's some five. Nonetheless, they will all be five at some point, which is crazy. And guess what? That means one of these is going to get shafted. And <laughs> this is my list. So all, these are all of our lists. Doesn't make it right. Just make some ours. But nonetheless, number five is Inception. And it's... Crazy to me that this is number five on the list. But like I said, it'll be a five-star film next time I watch it. Christopher Nolan, this might be his best script, his best story, definitely his best original idea. Though I think there are better Nolan movies, this is absolutely his best idea. And it's executed perfectly. We talked about it on our episode covering Inception a few months back. In the hands of a wrong director, this could just be an absolute mess. Like dreams inside of dreams, and you 
can kill people and that'll either wake them up or keep them dead. And then there's this wife. How does she play into the mix? But she's dead. So how does she really play into the mix? Is it real? Is it not? What's real? What's not? You got to wake them up. And start- I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And they take this insane concept and tell it so easy to understand unlike the most recent Christopher Nolan movie (laughs) where you have to watch it seven or eight times to even understand what's going on. Inception, you watch it seven or eight times to get the perfect understanding of it. So it pains me to put it at five, but nonetheless, I just like uh, the four movies better than it. So Inception's number five. All right. Well, you already said my number four, and that is Avatar as well. I recently saw this film last year. I was blown away. I mean, not only just blown away by the visuals, but blown away by the fact that I'd seen it, what, 10 years after it had come out and it still stuck the landing, right? You know what I'm saying? It it was, it's still a movie that is genuinely amazing, right? Like regardless of how you feel about CGI or the story, like I just think for what it was, it knocked it out of the park. And for what it was in 2009, to now it's like it's it, it, it's uh, it's incredible how much it holds up so um definitely huge fan of it uh i think it's like top three in my first watches of last year uh yeah i i, I dug this movie avatar is gonna definitely be my top four so number four for me is 2001 the space odyssey we talk about movies that were ahead of its time and that is this i compare avatar to this movie just for the fact that both of these movies were so ahead of the times that they came out in the graphics for for this movie were outstanding the overall music was was fantastic um i think this probably won best best original score back in the day um i'm not not sure but i'd be shocked if it didn't um the visuals the music I think the only place where it really kind of is lacking for me is just the overall story. I mean, we talked about it at Nomadland. It's still a five-star movie for me just because of, of what it is and, and you know, everything that, that it did for film and how far in advance it was. Uh, but I think if, if we were ranking this on favorites, I think Avatar would be ahead because if you wanted to turn on one movie right now, I'd, I'd say Avatar because the story's better, but Overall, I think this is a better a better made movie. So, 2001 Space Odyssey at number four. My number four is kind of already been mentioned, but truly hasn't. Um, it's one of my all-time favorite movies. I think it's my, in my top eight, and that's Avengers Infinity War. You know, this Ooh. is my favorite MCU movie. I think it's the best MCU movie. Like I said, one of my favorite movies of all time, and Definitely, I, I can see why some MCU movies wouldn't be sci-fi necessarily. Like, is Iron Man sci-fi? But then you look at Guardians of the Galaxy and, and Thor and definitely Infinity War, and that's sci-fi E. So, yeah, I think everything they were able to do, you know, this made my best of the decade list way back when when we did that. I think we need to remake that. But nonetheless... Yeah, especially since I said my favorite. Yes. So, nonetheless what they were able to do with Thanos. I mean, I know that he was in Guardians of the Galaxy for a minute, but truly his first film, getting able to to build out a villain as compelling and iconic in really the span of one movie was just brilliant. Having that cast and all those characters 
to share the screen and getting it to pull off. This was probably my most anticipated movie ever, and it absolutely lived up to the hype. It's a five-star movie. Um, for, for all the dogging I've done on the MCU on this show, Avengers Infinity War has, has never left my heart. So it's number four for me. All right. So that'll bring us to my number three. And I'm almost kind of, uh, I won't say embarrassed, but like nervous definitely to put this at number three, even though I love it. I, uh, I, I just, I don't know. And that is going to be a new hope. Uh, episode four, Star Wars, the original, um, like, you know what I'm saying? I just recently saw this movie last year. I know how late I am to the game and you talk science fiction, like there is no greater science fiction story than Star Wars. Uh, but uh, for me, it, it's brilliant. I loved it. The first official Star Wars movie, it was incredible. Love the action, love the mythology, love the story. Uh, this is it for me. This is this was this was uh, dope, and I'm glad that it introduced me to this world. So yeah, number three is gonna be the first Star Wars movie. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm hit a similar note, but go to the the movie that came after after the Star Wars, and that's Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. At my number three spot, um, I think this is the best Star Wars movie. I think. Have you seen it, Phoenix? I have seen it. Okay, so I can talk spoilers. I, was gonna, <laughs> I know that the the rest of the world has seen it, but I didn't know if you had seen it. Um, <laughs> I think this story is probably one of the best, it, the the best of the uh, original trilogy. I think it has the the most enjoyable, um, you know, storylines out of the first three. It is the only one not to mention a Death Star, so that's that's something as well. Um, whether you're talking about the the Yoda stuff or the, you know, Darth Vader and and Luke meeting for the the first time, um, I think you know overall it's just a, a fantastic movie, best Star Wars movie for me, and it's four and a half stars. So, all right, well, that brings me to my number three, which has been mentioned already. That's 2001: A Space Odyssey. Um, I think this is this is almost perfect movie. And while Nick has some reservations about the story, I think the story is wonderful. Um, This is my favorite movie when it comes to what it all means. You know, we can talk about Inception. We can talk about pretty much every Nolan movie. We can talk about The Lobster and and, and just these movies that make you think, that make you, uh, I'm thinking of ending things as another one. Regardless of how you feel about these movies, they're movies that make you think and really question your reality, question what's going on. And 2001 A Space Odyssey with how it ends specifically. And, and I know there that Phoenix hasn't seen it. There are a couple other people probably listening that haven't seen it. But man, this is my favorite movie when it comes to, God, I want to look up every theory about it. I want to <laughs> know the theories like the back of my hand and make my own. But not only that, how ahead of its time it was, like Nick mentioned. 1968, this movie looks like it was made in the 90s. It's crazy. There are movies that came out in the early 2000s that this movie looks better than that. It's ridiculous. It, it's Kubrick's masterpiece of, of an original idea because The Shining was an adaptation. I do think that's a little bit better. But nonetheless, 2001 Space Odyssey, 
absolutely fantastic. Absolutely one of the best sci-fi movies. The only reason this isn't a tad bit higher doesn't have to do with the story. It just simply has to do with the pacing. You know, this is a movie that that I love and I appreciate, and it is brilliant. But I'm not breaking down any doors to watch it anytime soon. It is long. There are scenes that are long. I don't want to watch people walking down a hall for five minutes. Um, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. But 2001 is number three. All right. And uh, wish I could say that I did this better. But uh, yeah, uh, I don't watch a lot of science fiction movies. So the ones that I have seen are, are sort of a, a mixed bag. But coming in at number two is uh, going to be Inception. I uh, love Christopher Nolan. That's definitely one of my favorite Christopher Nolan films. Um, Leo, Ellen Page, now Elliot Page. Uh, they knock it out of the park. I think it's a fantastic, fantastic uh, movie. A fantastic concept, well-written, well-acted beautifully done action is great so i think for a science fiction film that is both a drama and an action it's it's just fantastic and nolan does an incredible job with it it's easily one of the most rewatchable science fiction movies that i've seen so that's why it tops comes in second on my list for uh science fiction top five science fiction and to to go into mine, I'm gonna have to mute Phoenix. Um, this is a, a mute Phoenix episode, um, but my number two is Arrival. Um, Nathan talked about last his his number three in 2001. This this is a movie for me that you want to explore every theory. You want to move. How did he get unmuted? <laughs> um, this is a movie where you want to explore every theory. You you want to know the deeper meanings for everything. You know, the first time you watch it, it's kind of like, oh, but the second time you watch it, everything just, it just makes everything so much better. Um, I think Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner are great in this movie as well. Um, I, I just love, see, I, you guys can't see it, but I just love seeing Phoenix's facial reactions to when I talk. Um, Side, this is also the, the episodes of Random Tangents. Phoenix is coming down to, to hang with us for um, the Oscars, so we're super excited about that. But Nathan informed me yesterday that Phoenix owes him a movie that we have to watch. So That he has to watch. That he has to watch. So when, I mean, this is just right off the, the tip of the tongue. We haven't talked about this, but he might get here and we might have to watch Arrival. I, I'm going to veto that because I'd like to watch it sooner than that that's a couple months away i'd like to watch it before then well i so i saved you i saved you there phoenix okay, you're welcome okay, okay. but no o- overall i think it, maybe it could improve um if i if i watch it again but it's four and a half stars for me as of right now um just a fantastic sci-fi movie and we can unmute phoenix now my number two is one of my all-time favorite movies but again this is what I consider best, not favorite. I'm well aware that there is a movie better than this. Um, so my number two is Interstellar. I, for some reason, this is another movie that people love to hate on. I don't get it. I really don't. This is a phenomenal movie. This is one of the most recent movies I've watched that made me cry, which is hard to do. But nonetheless, it did. 
You know the scene I'm talking about. If you've seen it, let's talk about this cast too. I mean, seriously, Matthew McConaughey does a phenomenal job. But other than him, let's talk about Jessica Chastain, Casey Affleck, Timothy Chalamet, Anne Hathaway, John Lithgow. Even though some of those people don't have a ton of screen time, the cast is still, my goodness, through the roof, incredible. It's emotional. It's got several, several moments that will make your heart race. And that Hans Zimmer score is through the roof, incredible. Probably my favorite score of all time. Um, Interstellar, yes, it's a long movie. Yes, it's it's about space travel, which has been done before. But but everything this movie encompasses, it is one of my favorite movies of all time. And and I'm always down down to watch Interstellar. So it is my runner up. So we're getting to that time. It is number one, Phoenix. What is the best sci-fi movie in your world? Well, I am mad because you stole it from me, Nathan. It is Interstellar. Yes, topping my list. Two Christopher Nolan films topping my list. Uh, I love Interstellar. Like he said, bro, the cast is insane. I think the story is fresh. I love it. The visuals. Oh, my God. There's one scene on a planet that they have. I've not been able to get it out of my head ever since I've seen this movie. It is insane, the, the visuals in this movie. They're so good. Uh, the story is beautiful. Hans Zimmer's score is, ah, out of this world. Love it. So yes, 100% Interstellar. Not only is my favorite Christopher Nolan film, it is also my favorite top five science fiction film. Well, for my number one, I'm going to go with a movie that has already been mentioned and also Christopher Nolan, and that is Inception. Um, this is for me and i know both of you are gonna disagree this is like if over here and this is a visual if over here's all story no scale and here is no story all scale this is right in the middle <laughs> it's the last movie that christopher nolan has done that has a good story in my mind interstellar is is okay i gave it three and a half stars i know that you both are gonna disagree with that but I think Interstellar is okay. It didn't hit me emotionally as as you guys. Um, this is, but this is not an Interstellar hate fest. I think this is the the last movie that Nolan did where the story trumps the scale. It's right in the middle. Interstellar, I think the scales, it still has a, a story, but I think the scales kind of get a little a little big. Dunkirk has no story at all. The scales <laughs> massive, and then Tenant is. 100,000% no story all scale. Um so I think Inception is is the perfect mix of story and scale being able to master the dream world and make sure that you know it makes sense and you don't have to watch it eight times before you know what's going on. Um you know you guys have talked about how good the cast is, how good the story is, how good the score is. Um, this this movie is just all around. It's one of my favorites. It's it's the only five star movie on this list, um, other than two thousand one. Um, not a big sci fi fan, but um, so yeah. I mean, I think this is this is Christopher Nolan's masterpiece alongside with The Dark Knight. It's funny that everyone's number one had been previously mentioned. That's good because <laughs> it means we all appreciate sci fi movies and making a best list. You know, everyone's number one appears at some point. I'm no different. Someone has already mentioned mine. Um, and that is The Empire Strikes Back. I do think it is the best sci-fi movie 
of all time. Um, everything that it encompasses, a sequel to such an iconic and unique and, and trailblazing movie that Star Wars was. Um, like I mentioned, this isn't this is a movie that I have at four and a half stars on my letterbox right now. But whenever that rewatch comes around, it's definitely five. That's something that I think I had a little too high of uh, a bar, or I guess not expectations because I've seen it several times. But I don't know. It just I was a little too hard on, and it's definitely five stars. When I was making this list, this had to be number one. Everything it is, everything it's about, it just takes how great Star Wars is and improves everything everything about it it is the best star wars movie it is the best sci-fi movie so don't want to rehash everything that that these guys said chances are you've already seen the empire strikes back you don't need me to tell you how great it is <laughs> so um the best sci-fi movie from film code is inception interstellar and the empire strikes back all respectively all three great choices all three on all of our lists so that was fun, guys. That was great. Like I said, this is a director, or not a director. This is a series we'll be doing at some point down the line. We'll be doing top five comedies, top five horror, top five women directors. We'll we'll pull out all the stops to get some unique ideas going. So that was a lot of fun, guys. Thanks. And let's move on to Film Code. It was your code word this week. It was a tad challenging, but not the war (laughs) approval you gave uh, a few weeks ago. So, Phoenix, why don't you tell everyone what your code word was and the clues? All right. So your code word this week was language. And uh, your clues were 2017 to 2020, so a fairly recent film. Uh, your other clues were that your director had done less than seven feature films and that your writer and director are the same person. So, gentlemen, uh, Nick has the lead with eight. Uh, sorry, Nathan has the lead with eight. Nick is closing in with six. Nick. Give us your choice, please. Well, I still made a guess, but I have 0% confidence in it. (laughs) Um, This is just one of those where you could find it and still be wrong. Um, So it was definitely a a challenge. Um, I just, I have no confidence in it whatsoever. And that's uh, Okja 2017, Bong Joon-ho, also the writer. Um, He's Korean. That's foreign language, I guess. So, I don't know. No comment. That was a great... This is a guess to guess. That was a great guess. That's a great guess. All right, Nathan, what do you got? It's hard, right? This this one was definitely hard because you didn't specify with foreign language. This could easily be a movie in English. It could be an American movie that revolves story-wise around language. Um, So I guess you didn't pick a rival, so that's off the table. So this was just, this was, this was challenging, right? And there are several movies that the director and the lone writer are the same. Um, Phoenix, you definitely did not make it easy. I found several movies actually really? that fit this bill, several. So unlike my pick last week for what film code was or a couple weeks ago, where there was an obvious answer, 
Uh, you do not. I actually have to guess from from the the choices. One of those specifically stuck out. Um, just knowing you, knowing your taste, knowing what you're passionate about, I had to go with that and the the one that stuck out, and that was Portrait of a Lady on Fire. You know, I think I don't think you'd make it that obvious, but I had to go with my heart. There were literally three or four options. If I was just looking at foreign language films, if mm. I was including American films, I don't even know where I'd start. Uh, <laughs> but Portrait of a Lady on Fire, I was unaware that the director of this also did Tomboy. Mm-hmm. I was unaware of that. So that's cool. I, I'm glad I learned that lesson. Um, but she fits all the billings. She is a lone writer, fits the timeline. Um yeah, you made this very complicated. So I went with something that I knew that you loved. Well, gentlemen, very, very, very good guesses. But I am shocked, honestly, that you guys got this. So the movie was from 2019. Yes. And your director and writer are the same person she has only had five feature films, and yes, it is Celine Shiama for Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Of course, you know it is my favorite movie right. of 2019. Next week, part two, Phoenix Revenge Tour. It's coming. <laughs> it is my favorite movie of 2019. Let's yes. go. Yes, I am so glad you got it. Nathan now taking the lead again, up three. Nine points. Congratulations, Nathan. Way to, way to, you know what I'm saying? Just, just go by your, my taste. That was the, that was the smart thing to do. Uh, so, I, so la- last time Phoenix had a code word, <laughs> we talked about how I already had a code word planned, but um, because Phoenix made it so in- incredibly hard, I was going to do a revenge tour. Um, this week I was really hoping that 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 wouldn't have to be the case that I could share the code word that I had. It will sit on the bench for another week because this is now uh, revenge tour part two. <laughs> uh, be prepared boys. This is going to be another challenging week of film code because Phoenix had made this incredibly hard and incredibly impossible, but then incredible, but then incredibly obvious. So be prepared, Phoenix, because this next week will be code word hell. It was <laughs> challenging. You will have so much fun doing it. And that's my rant. This has been Nick. I'm out. See <laughs> as, I, as I get the microphone back from it being held hostage. My goodness. Clearly, great. it wasn't too impossible if I got it's more so that it was so impossible, but seemed so obvious that, that it just made me. <laughs> it was funny when I was researching this, um, there were like at least three films that you guys could have gone with. Uh, I'm glad that you you went with the idea that it was a foreign language film. What were the other two? Uh, the other two, I was, uh, the closest ones to it was also 2019, was Atlantics. Uh, Maddie Diop only has two feature films. Uh, so there, there's that one. The other one, which which I really thought Nick would guess, which is uh, "Call Me by Your Name," <laughs> which is uh, you know, said Luca. I can't remember his last name, but yeah. So and, and the farewell also 2019 would fit this category. Yeah. So 
yeah, interesting. Be ready, Phoenix. Be ready. Well, I am now up three. I'm sitting comfortable again. <laughs> and knowing that at least Nick will not move a point next week, given it's his code word, I'm sitting pretty for a little while. This is great. This is great. That was good. That was good. I'm glad. Glad you got it. What made you just decide to go with portrait? Why, why'd you, why'd you? Just like that? I said, like I said, I had three or four options to choose from that all fit the bill that all literally could have worked. And I was like, I know Phoenix loves this movie. <laughs> he is very passionate about this movie. So if there's one thing to decide this over that, this over that, let it be that he loves it. So let's go out swinging. If I'm not gonna, if I'm not gonna get it, because I don't want to miss out on the obvious choice of him loving it versus right. not. So that's what I went with. So wait, Nick, why didn't you go with Portrait? Because Phoenix, it was so impossible. It's <laughs> impossible. I just couldn't get it. <laughs> well, that's great, Nick. I'm looking so forward to your co word next week. I know it's gonna be fun. All right. Oh, it will be. <laughs> All right. Well, we uh, we got to get up on out of here. So this has been Film Code Phoenix. Tell the people where they can find you. You guys can find me on Twitter at IMHOReviews1. That's the number one. And on Letterbox under P.A. Cloudin. And please follow the show now on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Film Code Pod. And I'm out. All right, Nick, what about you? Well, you can find me at Phoenix's doorstep tomorrow. Um, no, you can find me at Nick's page on, on Letterboxd. Um, you can also follow the, the TikTok. We're trying to grow that platform as well. Um, so doing a lot of fun fun things over there. So that's that's where you can find me. Yes, and my name's been Nathan Pig. It's been a pleasure hosting you on this episode. Phoenix, Nathan, that's me, Phoenix, Nick. Thank you so much for joining me. You can find me on Letterboxd at Nathan Pig. Also follow the show on Twitter at Film Code Pod, on Instagram at Film Code Pod, and on TikTok at Film Code Pod. Trying to grow all those things. You know, we do a ton of fun stuff to interact with you guys. We do a ton of movie comparisons, a ton of discussions. You are really missing the boat if you're not following us on one or all of those platforms. We do so much great stuff. Also, however you're listening to this, Go on and check out our other stuff, whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener. would really appreciate you checking out our other stuff and supporting us. Thank you guys so much for listening. Like I said, thank you, Phoenix. Thank you, Nick. This has been Film Code. Thanks, guys, so much. Peace.